Psalms chapter number 28. I love Missions Month. I thoroughly enjoy it. And, uh, and the first week, I'm just like, whew, I good for a break. The second week, I'm like, man, I really like to preach. And uh, the fourth week, I'm like, man, I, I just, I got to get to the pulpit. And uh, it's time to preach. And I just... Uh, I enjoy it. I really do. And I appreciate all the messages. And it's good to hear uh, missions messages and from other uh, people. That is always a blessing. And, uh, but I tell you what, I'm always glad to get back uh, in the pulpit. And uh, I just feel like that's where I belong. And, uh, and so I, I'm glad to be back in Psalms 28. And I was sitting there thinking, boy, I probably should have covered something on Easter this evening. And, uh, and I did not. And so we're going into Psalms. And that's where we're going to be tonight. But I, I hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. Psalm 28, finding happiness in hardships. Finding happiness in hardships. Many of the Psalms are like that. The book is full of melodramatic moods and going from lows to highs. And uh, it's a frequent uh, that the psalmist goes from discouraged to delighted or from heavy hearted to light hearted or from frazzled to festive or from sorrowful to satisfied or from gloomy to glad. Uh, it's not a new narrative. And that's why we find the Psalms so comforting. And that's why oftentimes it's recommended hey, open your Bible and read. The, uh, the Psalms because there's much encouragement uh, that comes from the book of Psalms. And some valleys are deeper than others, and some mountain peaks are far more expansive than others, but uh, such is life. Then we go from uh, peak to valley and valley to peak, and that's just kind of the way life goes. And so uh, Psalms is, of course, such a comforting book uh, because of that. Psalm chapter number 28 and verse number 1. The Bible says this, Unto thee will I cry, O Lord, my rock. Be, that, be not silent to me, lest if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. Hear the voice of my supplication when I cry unto thee, when I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle. Draw me not away with the wicked and with the workers of iniquity which speak peace. To their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. Give them according to their deeds and according to the wickedness of their endeavors. Give them after the work of their hands. Render to them their desert. Because, of, because they regard not the workers, or the, excuse me, the works of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands, he shall destroy them and not build them up. Watch this in verse number six. You see a total change in the tone. He says, Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplications. The Lord is my strength, my shield, my heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth, and my song will I praise. With my song will I praise him. The Lord is their strength, and he is the saving strength of his anointed. Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for the psalm that we can look at and study. And God, thank you for the privilege of your word. God, what a blessing that we have your word perfectly preserved and inspired, Father, that we can hold in our laps and, and have multiple copies of. What a blessing, what an encouragement to us. And, and God, I pray that you would speak 
to each and every heart. I pray that you'd encourage each and every person that's here tonight. And Father, we'll thank you for that. We'll give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. I was reminded, I was talking to a pastor this afternoon, and, and he had mentioned, um, we were talking about the Bible, and, and uh, we were just talking about the fact that, uh, boy, what a blessing that we have, the Word of God. We were talking about mission fields, like in Iceland. I was talking to Brother Shaver, and I asked him about the Bible in Icelandic, the language that uh, is their native language. And, uh, and he said, no, the Bible, they don't have a good Bible. Their Bible's a mess. And uh, matter of fact, he's working so that he can uh, be able to help translate or do whatever he can to help get a good Bible into their native tongue. And, uh, and as we we're discussing that and, uh, to, with, with the pastor, I thought, you know, what a blessing. Sometimes we don't realize what a great blessing it is that we were born in America and that we have the word of God. And we can hold it in our laps. I don't know about you. I got multiple copies. I got probably three copies set in my office. Probably got four copies at home. And, and that's just mine. I mean, that doesn't even count my family's. That doesn't count my wife's, my kids. And, and then I got them in Spanish and Italian too. And so, uh, I mean, uh, I'm just saying we are blessed to have the Word of God. And, and, and I think sometimes, many times we take it for granted and we don't realize it. But I hope and pray it's a blessing to you tonight as we look at this. I want you to notice in verses 1 through 6, uh, the supplications uh, that the psalmist is praying here. In, in verse 1 through 6, it's all supplications. He's asking and he's, he's talking with God. And notice what he says there in verse number 1. He he's, he's, says this, he says, Unto thee will I cry, O Lord, my rock. Be not silent to me, lest if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. His request in verse number one is that God would commune with him. Boy, what a, what a great request if you think about it. Uh, you know, he's saying, uh, God, don't be quiet. Uh, I want to hear from you. I don't know if you've ever been in what I would call a dry spell in your life, in your Christian life, or a time when uh, you felt like, boy, you just didn't hear from heaven. And not that you weren't going to church, and not that you weren't praying, and not that you weren't reading your Bible, but it just seemed like for a while that, that God uh, had closed up heaven and was not speaking to you. And I've been there. And uh, I tell you what, boy, you know, you, you start to think, boy, is, is God up there? Is he listening? Is, is he hearing my prayers? And that's kind of the heart of where David is at. And he's saying, God, don't, don't, don't be silent to me. Talk to me. Let me know that you're there. I mean, I'm making my request. I'm crying to you. And, and I want to know that you can hear what I'm saying and that you are acknowledging my prayers and that I am uh, trying to, to, to cry unto you. As I thought about it, I thought, as I was reading that and thinking about that, I, the Lord brought this idea to mind that, you know, Jesus was led into the wilderness. He was led to a dry portion in his lifetime. And I know that's physically speaking, but boy, you know, many times trials can be very physical and can be very hard in our lifetime. Jesus was led into the wilderness and there he was tempted, the Bible says. And, and you think about a hardship, that's what he was going into. And sometimes when we go through a hardship and it feels like uh, that the, the, the heavens are closed and, and that we don't hear anything from God and we're wondering, hey God, what are you doing? And, and wonder if he's listening. Well, David is 
crying out and he's saying, God, uh, don't be silent. Be not silent to me. I thought of David's life really when he was being persecuted in the wilderness. And he was running from Saul and he lived in the wilderness. And what a great long valley of time that he would have to go through that. And, and, uh, and he would certainly know well about the quietness of heaven. So he's crying out saying, God, speak to me. I thought about not just the quietness of God, but I love this. I love his hunger and thirst to hear from God. Oh, that Christians today, and, and I believe you do, I, I believe many of us do, would have just a hunger and a thirst to hear from heaven. He's saying, God, I, I want to hear from you. And listen, boy, we need that hunger and thirst. And, and, uh, and listen, uh, you don't have to convince a thirsty soul to drink water. All you have to do is supply it. And boy, David here is longing after God. And, and listen, some, uh, sometimes we all need to be prodded to go to church or to read our Bible. I'm not saying that we should never have to be prodded. But I am saying that, hey, listen, if the only time anyone ever shows any interest in church or coming to church is when, when you prod them or pull them or drag them, then there's probably a problem somewhere because really uh, a Christian ought to have a hunger and thirst after God. We ought to desire to hear from God. We ought to desire to know that God is speaking to us. We ought to desire uh, anybody who believes in God would, would naturally want to know and hear from heaven and say, God, I desire to hear from you. We find that that is David's, David's mindset here. Matter of fact, notice this. I find it very interesting. The last phrase he says, he says, if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. I read that and I thought, what's the context with which he's talking about? And he doesn't really give a context. And I read that word, the pit. And, uh, and I, I thought, well, I wonder what exactly is he referencing there? And, and I can't say with any degree of certainty, but perhaps uh, David was comparing, uh, listen, the silence from heaven with just the, uh, the being, being damned for all eternity in hell. If you don't hear from God, then boy, there's that idea of, hey, that is, that is a terrible place to be. And, and as I read that, uh, the pit, I, I I just thought of this verse in Numbers chapter number 16. You remember when uh, Moses was there and, and uh, Korah and some other people were bringing strange fire to, to God. And, and Moses said this. He said in Numbers 16 and verse number 30, he said, But if the Lord make a new thing and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up with all that appertain unto them, and they go down quick into the pit, then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. And I don't know, I can't say with any certainty, but the way that David references this, hey, if the, if the heavens are silent and God does not listen to me, he's like, for me, it's like being in the pit. 
And he doesn't really give a context there, but I have to imagine and connect the dots that his mind would go back to Numbers, chapter number 16, when God opened up the earth and those who provoked God were, were swallowed up for all practical purposes into the pit, the Bible says. And he's saying, hey, if I don't hear from heaven, man, that's how bad it is. And I wonder in our life, do we long for God? the way David did. Boy, he desired God. He said, don't, don't close up heaven. Commune with me. Don't be silent. Speak with me. I want to hear from heaven, and I want to know that you're speaking to me. David desired God, and he wanted to commune with God. Look in verse number two, his, his request in verse number one is commune with me. His request in verse number two, he says, hear the voice of my supplication." Uh, he, he says, it's consider my request. Notice there, uh, I, I messed up when I read that, hear the voice of my supplications. It's plural. You know, oftentimes we're very impatient with God. Boy, we, we throw a, pair, a, a prayer God's direction, and that's it. Then we drop it. God bless this. God help this. And we don't go back and revisit that. We don't ask again. And, and, and sometimes we can be uh, frustrated with God and, and we're like, God, why don't you answer my prayer? Maybe we need to devote a little more time and a little more exercise in our prayers to praying to God and spend a, more than just one just quick prayer that we uh, bounce to heaven and, and that we would spend time talking with God. In, in, in Psalm 28:2, here, he says, hear the voice of my supplications. Sometimes... We need to be more, we need to persevere more in our prayers, pray a little longer, uh, spend a little more time dedicated in prayer for something and, and take something and ask God about it and, and don't just uh, bounce a prayer to heaven and say, well, I guess God's not listening. Uh, David, without a doubt, spent many times in prayer that he would ask things of God and go back and revisit them. Not just the idea of, of the plurality of that prayer and that he would pray over and over again. And, but notice this, he says in the second part of it, he says, when I cry unto thee. Boy, I think it was a weep, broken-hearted prayer. That, that David was serious in some of his prayers. And sometimes we're, we're just not serious enough in our prayers. You ever had your children, they come and they'll ask you something, Hey, Dad, would you do this for me? Like, yeah, I'll do that. And you just kind of, they forget about it. You forget about it. And it's never brought up again. And you say, I, I guess they really didn't want that done. You might even think of it later. You'd be like, mm, I guess it really wasn't that important. But if they come back and they're like, Dad, I, I really need this done. Dad, I need your help. And, and, and they start to beg and they start to plead and, and they start to say, hey, you know, this is serious. You can tell when, when somebody really needs help or they're just, you know, firing something off to you because it's their job or their duty or whatever it is that, that drove them to do that. But I'm saying this, David would cry out to God. He would come to God on more than one occasion. His supplications, he would cry unto thee. And he says there, when I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle. I thought, looking at that, I, I, I of course thought of lifted up hands. 
and listen, you don't see it much in, in, in America per se, not, not in Maslin per se, but uh, we saw it all the time in Peru. You'd be walking down the street, which was very common there, and, and somebody would be sitting there, and as you would pass by, they'd outstretch their hand. And, and a lot of times, I mean, they would even brush you with it, you know, as you walk by. And it was intentional. It was to get your attention. They did not want you to walk by them without looking at them and having pity on them and dropping something in their hand. That was kind of the idea. And as I think about God and I think about heaven, as our hands are outstretched towards heaven, saying, God, we're, we're ready to receive a blessing. God, we're waiting on you. God, there's nothing that we can do. Uh, we're not down here meddling and trying to, uh, to fix things in our own power, and our own strength. But God, we are at this point 100% surrendered to you and waiting for your blessings to be poured out upon us because we can no longer do anything about it. David says, when I lift up my hands toward thy holy oracle. Verse number three, as we look at his requests, not only the consider my requests as he talks to God and, and he's asking him to hear his prayers, but I want you to notice his third request there is uh, in verse number three, down through verse number five, he says, draw me not away with the wicked. And with the workers of iniquity, which speak peace to their neighbors, but mischief is in their hearts. He's saying in verse number three there, he's saying, condemn me not as the wicked. He's saying, draw me not away with the wicked. In other words, when you're dragging the wicked down for their judgment and their condemnation, he's like, hey, don't include me with that crowd. I don't want to be a part of that crowd. Notice what he says about them uh, as we look at it. David was certainly not an up, uh, a perfect man, uh, but he did strive to be upright in his life, and he strived to maintain a good relationship with God throughout his life. And God used him mightily to write many of these psalms, but, but he's saying, hey, don't cast me in with that lot. Look at what he says about them. He says in the second part, and with the workers of iniquity, he says, which speak peace to their neighbors... But mischief is in their hearts. He's basically saying, hey, those that are two-faced or those that are hypocritical about, uh, about, about who they are with me. And, and he goes on in verse number four, he says, give them according to their deeds and according to their wickedness of their endeavors. Give them after the work of their hands. Render to them their desert." We find there that he, he's saying, hey, they're, they're two-faced and they've stabbed me in the back. As you think about David's life and you think about the, the things that took place, really, a couple names come to mind, but first and foremost comes Saul. Saul, who uh, would, would publicly, you know, act like, well, I'm David's friend or bring David in. But then, boy, time after time after time, he tried to kill David. And, and Jonathan didn't even believe it, his, uh, his own son and David's best friend. He's like, no, you're, you're, you're imagining things. Surely he, he's not out to get you. And, and sure enough, David, uh, David and Jonathan found out together, no, his dad was intending to kill David. 
but it was not known. It was not outwardly stated. It was something that was done discreetly or behind his back, and, and, and it was not upright and, and, and brought out to public. And we find also not just Saul, but think about this. I, I've just been reading through the, uh, the life of David. I love those, those portions because they're just so... Uh, story-like. I mean, you want you want action, you want adventure, you want romance, you want it all. Read the Bible; it's all there. It's great. And and so uh, so Absalom. What happened? He revenged his his sister, his half sister Tamar, and 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 then he's kicked out of the country and he's in exile for a long time. And and finally he's brought back into the kingdom. But but David wouldn't wouldn't see him. And eventually, matter of fact, I read this morning. I I love. I find it fascinating. Uh, Absalom calls Joab, uh, David's guard, and, and Joab won't come, and, and he calls him again. Uh, Joab, and he sends a message, hey, bring Joab to my house, and Joab won't come to his house. And so he notices Joab's fields are right next to his, and he tells the servants, go burn down Joab's fields. It, that's a way to get a man's attention. Joab comes down, would you set my fields on fire? Well, I called you, you didn't come, so I figured if I burnt your fields, you'd come. And he did. And Joab says, hey, I want you to restore me to my father. And Absalom gets restored to David. And, and after that takes place, what does Absalom do? Boy, he starts working to, uh, to, to steal. The Bible calls it, he says, he stole the hearts of Israel. Right out from under David, his father. And then, he, and then really, he runs his father out of town. And, and really, that's uh, being stabbed in the back. And I don't know if this psalm, when it took place, if, if it fits with all of those things. I'm just saying that David understands what it's like to be stabbed in the back. And wickedness is equated with uh, the hypocritical, two-faced, backstabbing kind of action that God hates. Save your spot here in Psalms. Go with me to Proverbs chapter number 6. Proverbs chapter number 6. I was looking at this today, and, and because David addresses it so very clearly, or this psalm does in Psalm 28, uh, we, I, I thought of these verses, psalm, Proverbs chapter number 6, Proverbs chapter number 6 and verse number 16. And the Bible says this in Proverbs 6.16, he says this, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Now, there's several ways I guess you could look at that. One is, hey, the Lord hates one through six, but the seventh is an abomination to him, or maybe all seven of them, uh, if done, are all an abomination to him. But but nonetheless, look at what it says there in verse number 16. Uh, We read that seven are an abomination to him. Verse number 17, number one is a proud look. Number two is a lying tongue. Number three. Three are hands that shed innocent blood. Uh, number four, number four is an heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Number five is feet be swift in running to mischief. Uh, number six is a false witness that speaketh lies. And number seven is he that soweth discord among the brethren. And David addresses that. I mean, those who would divide and those who are two-faced and those who would go about and, and seek to cause problems uh, and, and not be true to people. I was reading that and, and I thought, man, you know what the biggest sin in independent fundamental Baptist circles is? It's not drinking. It's not perversity. It's that right there. 
It's backstabbing. It's, it's gossip. It's going around and causing division amongst brethren and, and, and causing all of these problems. Uh, really, that's probably one of the biggest problems uh, in not just, I mean, I'm not just talking our churches, but I'm talking amongst uh, the independent Baptists in general, the greater uh, large size of them. And, and boy, you know, this guy, that guy is just, did you hear what this preacher did? Did you see what these guys did? Did you see what these did? And, and just on and on and on. David is saying, hey, don't throw me into the lot of them. Don't judge me like you're judging them. And I thought this as I was reading it. You know how you don't be condemned with that group? Don't do it. It's that simple. David experienced it. He knew what it was like to be stabbed in the back. David wasn't caught doing that because David knew what it was like. He wasn't interested in that game. And listen, uh, the Bible is very clear about this. Matter of fact, verses 4 and 5 go on and describe the judgment, hey, because of their wickedness. Isn't it funny? He says in verse 3, draw me not away with, with the wicked. And then he goes on and, and talks about the, uh, the backstabbing, hypocritical people uh, that, that, that say one thing to their neighbor, but there's mischief in their hearts. Look at verse number 5. It says this, because they regard not the works of the Lord. They regard not the works of the Lord. Those who are planting seeds to divide people and to manipulate a situation are concerned for their own agenda and not God's. That's what it is. And David calls it out right uh, very clearly. He says, because they regard not the works of the Lord, nor the operation of his hands. Listen, we ought to be more concerned in what God wants with our life. We ought to be more concerned in God's work and God's movement and desiring to hear from heaven than we, than we are with anything else that's going on around us. That's kind of the whole gist of this psalm. Uh, he says, hear me. Uh, he says, listen to my, uh, don't be silent, commune with me. And then next he says, consider my request. And then he, he goes on and says, don't condemn me with the wicked. And listen, boy, there's, there's certainly that amount of people that are out there. And, and listen, we ought, to, we ought to be consumed with God. We ought to be concerned with what God wants from us. I want you to notice in verse number 6, there's that change of tone there. He says in verse number 6, Blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplication. Verse number 6, down through 9, we find the statements that he gives. And isn't it amazing what praying will do? You see, the first six verses are David's prayer as he's crying out to God and he's saying, commune with me. And he's saying, consider my request. And he's saying, don't condemn me with those that are wicked. And, and, and he's praying all of these things. But in verse number six, there is definitely a turn in tone and a turn in, in spirit there. And we find that it's amazing what prayer will do for you. Listen, we'll go through hardships. We'll go through those valleys. We'll go through those difficult times. And listen, the psalmist certainly understands what it feels like to have heaven shut up and, and, and have God not speaking to him. And, and, and he desired God. But then he says there in verse 6, and he, and he issues a praise, Blessed be the Lord. I love this. Because he hath heard the voice of my supplication. 
what, what, what made the difference? You know what it was? It was just God. David was there. I could kind of picture this whole psalm uh, taking place in David's closet as he's down on his knees and he's praying and, and he's crying out to God and he's bearing his heart to God. And, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the prayer, praise the Lord, he heard my supplication. How did he know that? Go with me to Philippians chapter 4 for a moment. Save your spot here in Psalms. We'll be back here. Philippians chapter number 4. And verse number 6, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, chapter number 4, and verse number 6, look with me what it says. These are verses that we know, but they're so well illustrated in this verse. He says in Philippians chapter number 4 and verse number 6, he says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Boy, isn't that what David has been doing? He's been pouring out his heart to God, and he's been crying out, Hey, uh, commune with me. Don't be silent in heaven. I want to hear from you and consider my prayer requests and listen to what I'm crying out to you and, and the prayers that I've been pouring out to you and don't condemn me with the wicked and, and, and listen to what I'm saying. And, and so he's pouring out his heart with, to God and he's, he's not careful, uh, but, he, but he's pouring everything out. Look at what it says in verse number seven. And the thought continues. So in verse 6, if you're praying to God and you're being thankful and you're giving your requests and your supplication to God, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Boy, that's illustrated in this prayer. Here's David crying out on his knees. You could just see him bearing his heart to God. And then midway through his prayer, blessed be the Lord. The tone just changes. What happened? The peace of God came over David. God moved in his heart. And then he says, he says in verse number six, back in, in Psalm 28, blessed be the Lord, because he hath heard the voice of my supplication. There's nothing like having the peace of God just flood your soul. I've been there. When things are hard and sometimes you don't understand what's going on, but it's like all of a sudden God just pours out this peace that overcomes you. And you're like, you know what? I, I just know everything's, everything's going to be good. God's in control. God's going to move. God's going to work. And God's going to take care of it. Your circumstances haven't changed whatsoever, but God has given you a peace in your heart that has changed things. And I'm just saying, uh, finding happiness and hardship it often is a result of just bearing your heart to God as David did. And he praises the Lord in verse number six. But notice this in verse number seven. Uh, you could preach an entire message out of verse number seven. It's a personal proclamation. Look at what he says there in verse number seven. The Lord... Watch this. Watch all the personal pronouns he uses. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth and with my song will I praise him. It's a personal proclamation that David is just signifying, hey, things have changed on the inside of him and God has flooded his heart with peace. And verse number seven, he declares that God is his strength. Listen, 
we have got to find strength in God. You won't find strength in the world. You, you, you might find strength in your bank account until it gets zeroed out or goes negative, even worse. You might find strength in your own strength and in your health until that is taken away. You may find strength in your job. You may find strength in your friends. You may find strength in whatever it is in this world that you find strength with. But the fact of the matter is, everything in this world is temporal and things can change in a moment's notice. And we've got to find our strength in the Lord because he doesn't change. David is making a personal proclamation and he's saying, the Lord is my strength. Then he goes, he's my shield. Not only does God strengthen us, but God protects us. We must run to the tower. He says, he's my high tower. Uh, he's my refuge, he says and throughout the Psalms. He's my, uh, the place that I run to, and we must find refuge. We must find protection underneath of God. And listen, it's hard to do when people are attacking you. It's hard to do when people are, are, are against you. But listen, you find refuge in God because he will help you. And he ought to be our shield. David says, not only is he his strength, not only is he his shield, but he says, my heart trusted. You know why? Because God is trustworthy. Sometimes that's hard to see when everything looks physically like it's going against you. Sometimes that's difficult to see, but David is saying, hey, my heart trusted in him. And he says, I am helped. Do you want to be helped? Some people don't want to be helped. Some people just want an ear to tug on. And they just want to cry and, and alleviate their burdens. And, and sometimes that's necessary, but, but you can't help people that don't want help. And you can't point people in the right direction that don't want to go the right direction. Or you can point them, but they might not go. Listen, if we truly want help, run to God. That's where you'll find help. That's where you'll find strength. That's where you'll find protection. That's where you'll find peace. That's where you'll find joy. That's where you'll find everything that you need. Look at what he says in verse number seven there. Therefore, what? Because he found strength in God. Because he found protection in God. Because he found help in God. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth. I love the second part. He says, and with my song, Will I praise him? David, David went to his knees crying, heartbroken, weeping, pouring out his concern to God. But when he got up, he was singing, blessed be the name, praise the Lord, how good God is. And listen, we can go to God. We can pour our heart out. And he just gives us a peace that passes all understanding that says, I can walk away from this knowing that everything is going to be okay because he's in control and he's stronger and he's bigger than I am. And we find grace, we find help, we find joy, even in our trials. It gets a little more interesting because in verse number eight, that's his, in verse seven is his personal proclamation, but in verse number eight, it's a public proclamation. Look at what he says, the Lord is their strength. And he is the saving strength 
of his anointed. He recognizes that this is not just a help for him, but it is a help to all that will put their trust in him. It is a help to all that will turn to God. It's not that David is, is God's little, uh, one little person that, that God will work in a special way, but no, it, it's really open to anyone that will turn to God, anyone that will ask God, anyone that will accept God and, and run to God for the help that they need. And, he's, and he makes that public to everyone else. It's not just David. It's for others too. And he finds hope in God. Then his closing plea in verse number 9, he says, Save thy people and bless thine inheritance. Feed them also and lift them up forever. David's, David's eyesight is turned outward. When you're focused on yourself, when you're focused on your problems, when you're so focused on everything that's going wrong in your life, you will never find joy. Some of the most wealthiest people that you think, they've got it all, man, they ought to be happy. They're not. Matter of fact, most often they're most miserable. Why is it? Because they have everything they need, but they're not fulfilled. And, and everything is given to them, and, and it's all about them, and, and they, their, their focus is me, 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 me. And you know what? When your focus is me, 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 you will never find happiness or contentment. David's eyes are turned upwards. He turns to God. God blesses and gives him peace. And notice after he looks to God, you know what he does? He looks out concerned for others. God will save them, too. And in the end, his plea and his prayer is, God, save the others. Help the other people. He's gone from an inward focus to a Godward focus to an outward focus and said, man, those people need help. And they need God. They need his protection. They need his, his blessing in their life. What a great psalm as we think about the finding happiness in hardship. David certainly illustrates that well in this psalm. I hope and pray that that is a blessing to you. I don't know what hardship maybe you're going through. Maybe you're not right now. Maybe you're on a mountaintop. But you can rest assured it seems like you're on a mountaintop. You're only there for a little while and then you head into a valley. And we need to keep our eyes focused on God because there's strength, there's hope, there's help, there's joy and turning our life to God. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for such an illustration in the book of Psalms that points us to you. God, the wisdom that comes from David, and God, I know he was writing under the inspiration of you and, and so God we thank you for the wisdom that just pours out in these psalms and God the temptation is to be focused inward every one of us suffer from that temptation on a regular basis to focus on our problems focus on our issues focus on us we're selfish by nature but God may we turn our eyes towards you. Look to you for the blessing, the strength, the help that we need. 
And God, ultimately, may we see the needs of others and have a compassion and a desire to help others. I pray that you'd bless each and every person. I pray that you'd encourage them tonight. Whatever they may be going through, whatever struggles that they may have, I pray, God, that you would help them to turn their eyes to you. And that, God, the peace that passeth all understanding would come into their hearts. God will thank you for that. We ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As we have a short time of invitation, maybe God's spoken to your heart. I hope God's helped you. I hope God's encouraged you and strengthened you tonight through his word. Maybe you just want to turn something over to him. Maybe you just want to turn your eyes heavenward. Maybe you're on a mountain peak, but you know somebody else that's going through a valley. Why not pray for that? David was praying for others. God, be their strength. Be their help. Be their encouragement.